Good morning and welcome back to Living with Emuna. As we do our weekly uh, study group, or really our weekly support group, to remind ourselves what really matters, to realign and calibrate our priorities, to refocus our mindfulness on expressions of gratitude and appreciation for the blessings of our lives, to be able to come together and support one another in living a life that is the most reflective of the truth, that there's a Creator, an Almighty, who not only created this world and put us in it, but He put us in it for a purpose. And He is lovingly and affectionately guiding our lives even when it feels He's nowhere to be found. It's nevertheless Him. I want to thank our sponsors, our generous sponsors for the whole year, Drs. Avi and Bella uh, Morgan, Lezeich and Nishmas, in memory of our dear beloved friend, our Rebbe and Amuna and so much else, Rabbi Dr. Brian Gabbard, Baruch Tzvi Ben Ruvein Nassan. And I also thank uh, our dear, dear friend, San Leslie Abadie, who sponsored uh, this week and the next several weeks in honor of their beautiful children, Joey and Marissa Abadie, Abadi, and their expected baby who should be well and healthy and give their family a tremendous amount of nachas. Thank you so much. We continue to plow through our learning of Ravita Mar Schwartz, the author of the Bavavi Mishkan Evna, an essay he has on Emuna called Da'et Bitchonecha, Know Your Bitachon, that the source of Bitachon, the ability to live a calm and confident and serene life, is all found in the knowledge and awareness that all the battles and all the struggles and all the external stuff that we go through, that is only an illusion that we are in conflict and battle. But if we're able to channel our innermost self, our better self, our best self, then we would see the harmony of the universe, that we would understand that everything comes together for a reason, and that we'd be able to not necessarily be happy with all that life throws our way, but we'd also not be uh, rattled or frazzled by it, because we'd understand that it comes here for a reason. So we left off. I uh, shared the source sheets last week, uh, if you have that link. We left off. Yadu'a ha'maisa b'talmud. We're aware of the Gemara records the following story. That the great rabbi saw one of his students who was afraid. Amr lo, he said, You must be a sinner. I see that you're afraid. I see that you have fear. I see that you have anxiety. So there's only one conclusion that I could reach. And the conclusion I reach is, you must have sin on your hand. Now again, and I've said this a million times, I'll say it a million more. That word sin is not our word. That's not our word. That's a Catholic, a Christian word. I don't even know what the word sin means. What is sin? I have no idea. We translate the word chet as sin, but it's an inaccurate translation. I don't know what sin means. That's not a Jewish idea. The word chet means a missed opportunity. Throughout life, we have in an endless array of choices that we make. We are challenged with them almost from the moment we wake up in the morning. And when we make the right choice, we draw closer to the people around us or to Hashem, then we've taken advantage of the opportunity. A chet is a missed opportunity. If I told you there's going to be a pandemic and Amazon's going to hit an all-time high and buy that stock now, for some reason Tesla's going through the roof, buy now. If you didn't buy, did you do a sin? If you didn't buy, you had a missed opportunity. And you know what your punishment is? Watching everyone else enjoy the fruit of that stock, of having it gone up and you missed that opportunity. On the other hand, if you took advantage of the opportunity, the reward is that you took advantage of the opportunity and that in itself presents a reward. And that is our life with Hashem, Torah and mitzvahs. His expectations and His demands of us, first of all, they're for us, not Him. When we miss that opportunity, it's a chait. If my wife says, you know, it would mean the world to me if you did X, Y, or Z. I could use some help or it would be meaningful to me. It would mean the world to me. If I say, well, that's nice, but I don't really feel like doing it. I don't have time to do it, energy to do it. I don't want to do it. And I don't do it. So that's a missed opportunity. I missed the opportunity to express affection, to express loyalty, to express appreciation. And is there an external punishment? 
It's no external punishment. The punishment is the result, namely, that there's a sense of a feeling of distance or alienation that needs to be uh, corrected and repaired now because I didn't take advantage. I missed that opportunity. On the other hand, if I say, sure, I'd love to. Not only that, I know you so well, I did it even before you asked. I knew how much joy it would bring you. Then what's the reward? Not an external reward. The reward is the feeling of closeness, of connection that results in having taken advantage of the opportunity and not missed it. So chait, again, I've said it so many times, I know, is a missed opportunity. And within our religion, within our philosophy, within our theology, Kirish Baruch gives us 613 opportunities, 613 invitations to come close to him. And we miss those opportunities that result in a feeling of distance, alienation, that result in a feeling of having compromised ourselves, result in a feeling of not being our best selves, and that also have a sense, of course, of accountability to them. Or we took advantage, and we've drawn close, and we've realized a better sense of ourselves. So here, the great rabbi saw his student was afraid. And he said, the fact that you're so afraid, the fact that you're riddled with fear and anxiety, not the clinical anxiety, which is a legitimate diagnosis that needs to be treated, but the fact that you're riddled with just the general Jewish anxiety, worry, fear, nervousness, it shows me that you have chait, that you've missed opportunities. You see from this conversation, this brief interaction, that fear, fear is the result, the consequence of missed opportunities, of mistakes that we make, of miscalculations. Hasibalakach says, Rav Schwartz, the reason is, these don't do a lot of help when you hold them in your hand. Hasibalakach, Shikasher Adam Pogesh Bekochos Advar Mabonasayelo, who misodeid Visameach. See, when a person interacts with their strengths, with their talents, with their blessings, with the things that come to help them, he's so joyful, right? You're so happy. If you were so nervous and you were so afraid, then how are you going to work something out? You're studying for a final, and you have no idea what's going to be on the test, what the teacher's going to ask, if you really have a, a real grasp of the material, and someone comes to you and says, ah, I took the class, I know the teacher, here's exactly what's on it, let me help you. Psh, punked, all of a sudden you're so happy. You have this instant sense of relief, this instant sense of joy. You're suffering, you're struggling with an ailment, a pain, an ache, and someone says, oh, that's tennis elbow, oh, that's this, oh, oh, I had that. And here's what you do for it, and you can get rid of it really quickly. Boom, even before you heal, even before you, you've gone through the therapy, all of a sudden, instant relief and happiness and an instant sense of simch, of joy, that there's something here to help me, and I'm going to get through this, and there's a plan, and it's going to end well, and it's going to make sense. And when a person has the clarity that there's somebody who has my back, there's somebody who knows, there's somebody who's been there before, there's somebody who has experience, there's somebody who's in control, and they're on my side, and they're going to help me, that brings about a sense of happiness or joy. Whether it's with studying for a final, or whether it's trying to get rid of an ache or a pain, or whether it's any other thing in life. But the opposite's also true. When you see and you look up and you say, oh my goodness, I have so many things that I have to overcome. I have so many obstacles and so many impediments to my happiness. This pain and this ache and this challenge and this is why it will never heal and this is why it will never get better. You ever get a cut in a place where a band-aid can never fit? Like between your fingers, I don't know. You say, not only do I have the cut, the paper cut, it's in a place that a band-aid will never, ever, ever hold. Like the world is against me. The cards are stacked against me. There is no hope of this ever getting better. And you just feel this sense of helplessness and hopelessness. You feel the sense of opposition, friction, battling. Everything's trying to stop me. Everything's trying to hold me back. 
Then you're filled with anxiousness and worry and fear and nervousness and doubt and uncertainty. Then you're feel, filled with, then you're filled with hopelessness. Those are the two emotions. And those are the two ways that we interact with the world. Some see this in a very mystical way. Some see this in a very uh, Kabbalistic way. That the moment you make a mistake, the moment you sin, you shouldn't have eaten that thing. You shouldn't have said that thing. You shouldn't have slept to that hour. You shouldn't have gone to that place. You shouldn't have looked at that thing. You shouldn't have bought that thing. You make a mistake, a chait, that all of a sudden, through the chait, through the uh, misdeed, through the indiscretion, you have given birth to malach chavala. You have bought this negative energy in the world. You have given birth to this negative influence. So some believe mystically that when you do a chait, you've all of a sudden introduced this force into the world. And now that force stands against you. The force is the um, opposition to you. The force is the, the force is the, um, what's it called? Not the defense attorney, but the prosecutor. That force is the prosecutor against you, against you. And you can't see it. You can't see that force against you, but now it's there. It's there in the background. It's there in the shadows. It's there constantly opposing you, constantly confronting you, constantly trying to drag you and bring you down, constantly trying to, dra- to distract you, constantly trying to block you. These are true. So that perspective is true. And I'll just tell you, I think I, I said it yesterday at the Parsha class, I don't remember. In our Parsha, if you're not listening to this Parsha, it's not so, it's a good word anyway. In our Parsha, you have the story of the Sota, the wayward woman, the woman who has infidelity against her husband. She's accused, she's secluded herself with another man she's not related to. And then she's tested whether, in fact, she violated his trust, whether, in fact, she acted out against him. And uh, if she is innocent, she's blessed, which is in itself a question. Why should she be blessed? After all, after all, she violated secluding herself. I didn't talk about this yesterday. Why should she be blessed? Did that ever occur to any of you? This woman was warned by her husband. I see you hanging out. I see you texting. I see you chatting this guy. Listen, don't seclude yourself with him. It's a violation of Yichud. If uh, the Vice President of the United States could, could be careful, so can you, so can we. Be careful, because when people seclude themselves who have an a, uh, energy between them, a connection, it leads to bad things. So don't put yourself in that situation. And what does she do? She secludes herself. And two witnesses come and testify to him. We saw your wife go into the room with this man, lock the door behind them, the shades were drawn, the shades were closed. They had absolute seclusion for X amount of time. We have no idea what happened in that room. Maybe they played mahjong. Maybe they had a chavrusa in Nachyomi. Maybe they were raising money for victims of COVID. Or maybe something else happened. We don't know. All we know is they secluded themselves in that room. So that man takes his wife. They go to the base of Mikdash to the Kohen. She drinks this water that tests her. She, of course, comes out and says, no, I never did anything. We were playing chess or he's trying to teach me for your birthday. I'm making a surprise party. He was helping me. And uh, nothing happened in there. So he says, well, let's find out. We're going to the base of Mikdash and let's find out. And it turns out she drinks the water. Yesterday we spoke all about the ingredients in that water and why they're in there. And uh, she drinks that water and she's proven innocent. So the Torah says, ooh, she's innocent. 
She gets a great blessing. She's going to experience tremendous fertility. She's going to have children, beautiful, healthy, nachas children, like the abadis that give them great, great nachas, beautiful children. So you ever occur to you the question? I understand she's innocent. Put your head down, walk away. You survived. Lucky you. You secluded yourself. You shouldn't have done it. It was a terrible decision. It was poor judgment. You secluded yourself with this man. You survived it. It turns out you didn't act out and the water validated that. Get out alive. Just go home, put your head down, start the therapy with your husband, rebuild your life. What kind of bracha? Why does she get a bracha? She gets a bracha, a blessing? Didn't she still do something wrong by secluding herself? So I think it's uh, the Lev Eliyahu, who says the following. I think it's him. He says, you see a very powerful lesson from this story and from this law. And the lesson is, yes, she secluded herself. She did something wrong, but she could have done more wrong, and she didn't. She was alone, and it invited and provided an opportunity to do something even more extreme, even more drastic, and she didn't do it. And you know, Hashem appreciates and loves, Hashem longs for even the small gestures, for overcoming. So a person spoke Lashon Hara for 20 minutes, but in the 21st minute had a pang of guilt and said, you know what, never mind, I'm not finishing the rest of the story. Or never mind, let's shut it down. I'm not going to tell you more. Would you say that person should be punished only for the Lashon Hara? Hashem gives them a reward for having shut it down in the 21st minute. Somebody looks at things on the internet they shouldn't be looking at. They spend an hour surfing things they shouldn't be seeing. But you know what, in the 61st minute, in the second hour, they say, this isn't me, I'm better than that, I'm capable of more, this is beneath me. And they shut it down, they disconnect, they don't act out. Kodesh Baruch Hu says, I cherish that, that effort and that gesture and that love. Don't think that, essentially what the law is teaching us is, you know, don't think I've already contaminated myself so badly, I've already acted in such a negative way, ah, I might as well continue, I might as well go all the way, I might as well violate and forfeit myself even more. No, to whatever degree you've made those mistakes, stop yourself then, because whatever you hold back as of now is still of inestimable value to Hashem, still means the world to Him, still makes the most difference. He's watching and He cares and He's involved in our lives and shut it down. And even after we failed, you fall down, you get back up. Even after you fall. So the Pasik says, Sheva Yipol Tzadik Vekam. The Tzadik, the righteous, falls seven times and gets back up. The Heliga Joey Newcomb sings it. Check out the song on YouTube afterwards. You fall down, you get back up. He quotes Rav Nachman. Why does it say Sheva Yipol Tzadik? It should be Tzadik Yipol Sheva Pa'amim. The Tzadik falls seven times. And the answer of Nachman Abreslov says is, you're not called a Tzadik till you've fallen seven times and when you get back up. You're not called a Tzadik if you never fell. You didn't break your diet, you didn't gossip, you didn't look at the wrong thing, you didn't say the wrong thing, you didn't go to the wrong place, you didn't sleep in a little bit late, you didn't fail to make the bracha, you didn't lose your cool and your anger, you didn't feel envious, you didn't feel arrogant. There is no tzaddik, there is no person who's never failed. Sheva yipol tzaddik. When you fall, then you're the tzaddik because you have the courage and the bravery and the energy and the resiliency to get back up. You fall down, you get back up. You fall down and you get back up. The tzaddik does it seven times and so do and so do we. If you fall down, you get back up. So that's the story. Hashem says she fell down. She went into a room. She locked the door. It was a mistake. It's wrong. They're going to need some therapy. They're going to have to figure that out. She shouldn't have even done that. She has to ask herself, what went wrong? Why did I allow myself to be even put myself in that compromised situation? But you know what? Once she was in that room, she had the inner fortitude and strength, the tenacity not to do anything more, not to compound it with another mistake. And for that, Hashem says, beautiful. I love it. You fell down, you got back up. 
I'm going to reward you for the getting back up. And that's why when she's proven to be innocent, she gets this great blessing of fertility. She gets this great blessing in her life. And that's the blessing we get. So Schwartz is saying the following. Oh, come back to why did I get into this? Because after the story of the Sota, what if she was guilty? What if she was, you can get, you know, whiplash if you come to one of my shiurim from trying to, you know, get back from the detour to wherever we were going. So stick with me. Stay with me. So what happens, the Sota? What if she wasn't innocent? She drinks the Mayim Arim, she drinks this water, and it turns out she wasn't innocent. She didn't only lock herself in that room, she didn't only seclude herself, but she also acted out. She violated her husband's trust. She went all the way. She drinks that water, and what happens? So the Gemara expands on the Pesukim of the Torah and tells us she dies a graphic, horrific, heinous death. She dies a terrible, terrible death. And then the next section on our Parsha was the Nazir. The Nazir says, whoa, ugh, yikes. He reads that story, gets that headline, gets that alert on his phone. Sota drank the water, exploded everywhere, died gruesome. What a terrible death. What should that individual do, man or woman? A man or a woman can become a Nazir. Immediately, they should say, whoa, that's what happens when you drink in excess. That's what happens when you party and flirt. That's what happens when you present yourself in a way that's not only attractive, but attracting. I got to be Yazir Atzma Minayayin. That person becomes a Nazir. That person pledges to live a life, a more elevated life, a different life. So Revolba asks, I don't understand. This person, man or woman, saw the Sota and saw what happened. If you make the terrible mistake, what happens? There's a consequence. So when you see her die, isn't that enough to motivate you not to walk in her way? Seeing her demise, her death, seeing her undignified end, isn't that enough to make you say, whoa, I don't want to ever seclude myself, put myself in that moment. I don't want to give in to that temptation. I don't want that to happen to me. Why do you have to go above and beyond to now say, I'm going to take a nether, I'm going to take a vow, no more wine, no more grape products, I'm not cutting my hair, I'm not having contact with death. Why do you have to go in the opposite extreme? Why do you have to actually take action? And Revolba has a brilliant and critically important insight, and he says the following. Listen carefully, this is what Rav Schwartz was telling us. He says, because you know, when you were a kid, you read about and you learned of Vasota, that there are people who can practice infidelity. You heard about that there's such a law for such a person who wasn't faithful in their marriage. But then you lived your life and you said, that's just theory. That's a nice idea. Nobody I know could ever do that. I'm sure nobody ever tried that. I'm sure that never really happened in real life. I'm sure I would never do that. No one would ever do that. That can't ever be done. That never really happened. And then all of a sudden you see the headline, you see the picture, you knew the woman, it was your neighbor. And now you say, whoa. People do that? That can actually happen? Someone follows through on that thought and that temptation on that desire? And all of a sudden now, it becomes a reality in your head. It went from the realm of theory to possibility. It went from the realm of on the books to in life and in practice. And now you need to do something to overcome and to combat that new level of temptation that you face because you know it's a possibility. You know there are people who've done it. You know it's a reality. And that elevates the the level of temptation that it presents. So that's what Rav Schwartz is saying here. You know, once you've done that thing, you know, let's say, I'll give you the example in, in the world of food, right? Not religion. So you're in a healthy way, you've lost a bunch of weight, you're feeling really good, and, and just one day you, you just gave in. You didn't have what it took. So you ate the entire bag of potato chips. You, you couldn't help it. You ate the whole bag of the Kettle Crunch, Cape Cod, delicious potato chips. You gave in and you made it through the entire bag of... Trader Joe's corn chips, start to end, you cracked open the bag and you made it to the end of the bag. You were licking the bag on the inside all the way. 
So what happens? Here's the danger. The danger is not that you had a bad day. You had a bad day. You fall down, you get back up. Joey Newcomb taught us. You fall down, you get back up. The fact that you had a bad day, everybody could have a bad day. That's okay. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. When you get on the scale the next morning and you say, I didn't gain back all the way just because I had some corn chips. Nothing terrible happened. I didn't have a heart attack. My cholesterol didn't double. The scale didn't go up by uh, 10 pounds. Now you're in trouble. Now you're in trouble because you say, you know, that those corn chips, those potato chips, they were like poison to me. I'd never put them in my system. I would never contaminate myself with them. Why would I ever eat something of no nutritional value? I have no temptation, no desire. Here you've been good for three months and you're feeling great and looking great and measuring as being great because you've declared their poison. You've declared an open war on, on the potato chips. On the, I'm speaking, of course, in theory and about my neighbor. On the, on the potato chips and on the corn chips. But now the danger is you made a mistake. You ate the whole bag. That's what Rav Schwartz is saying. You have given birth, you have created a malach of chavala. You've created an angel of destruction. And the angel of destruction is the next bag of potato chips that's still in the cubby because someone who doesn't love you for some reason keeps buying them or you don't love yourself and you keep buying them. And, and that malach chavala, the malach chavala is, now I know, I think I can eat that and it's not going to destroy me. So in the back of your mind, you're starting to fight the battle all over again from the beginning. You had done so well, you thought you conquered it, you done. You had suffocated and suppressed that voice, and all of a sudden it's got a microphone and a megaphone, and it is yelling at you, ah, you tried me, nothing so bad happened, you didn't gain so much weight. It's a malach chavala that you have created. You have renewed its sense of ability to battle you. You're back in the battle. You're back in the fight, just when you thought you had gone on. So what does it mean? You did a chait. You made a mistake. You made a mistake. You can make a mistake in religion, in Shabbos, in Kashrus, in davening, in business ethics, in gossip. You can make a mistake in religion. You can make a mistake in health and wellness. You can make a mistake in interpersonal relationships. You made a mistake. The danger of the mistake is not only the mistake and its unique particular consequence, the danger of the mistake is that it also now is a force to be reckoned with, that you now also have a level of familiarity with it, a level of comfort with it, a level of connection to it, and a level of belief that maybe it's not so bad. Our rabbis very brilliantly said, you know, the first time that you do an Avera, you feel horribly guilty and ashamed and it's terrible. The second time, you feel a little less guilty and ashamed. And by the third time, you've convinced yourself it's a mitzvah. No, I didn't eat. And the fast day we came was coming up in three months, so I need the potato chips for the energy to give the amunashir, and it's really a mitzvah. There was nothing else to eat, and Hashem would want me to eat that because He wants my pleasure after all, and I should warm myself because I learned a little extra today. And all of a sudden, by the third bag of potato chips, you've turned it. Not only have you not done something terribly wrong, you've actually now in your mind rationalized why it's a mitzvah. You know the word rationalize, the etymology of the word rationalize, where it comes from. Rationalize is that you tell yourself rational lies. You tell yourself lies. They're rational lies. They make sense. If they didn't make sense, you wouldn't believe them. You rationalize. You tell yourself rational lies. This is my group therapy, by the way, about my eating habits. So I want to thank you for joining me this morning. Check is in the mail to each and every one of you. Just joking. So the malachavala. So whether it's in interpersonal relationships or health or wellness or whatever area and arena of your life, the mistake is not only the particular hate that you did, but it's now the birth of the angel of destruction that you've created, the voice in your mind, the energy in the air, the new level of opposition that you have to confront and overcome. There's a formidable opponent that you now have to face again. 
they, they, they create and they give birth to a, a worldview that there's something which is opposing us. And now you're like living in this world of opposition again. So chait's what did it. So in other words, here I'm eating well and I'm exercising, but then one day I did a chait, I couldn't help it, it was one o'clock in the morning, I just finished the work I needed to do, I was ravenously hungry, my energy to fight was lowered and I gave in and I ate the entire bag of potato chips. So... I was living in a world that I wasn't confronting uh, opposition. But now the next day I woke up, and not only do I have to live with the chait I made, the mistake I made of eating the bag of potato chips, now the next bag of potato chips is lurking. And you know what else is lurking? It says, you don't have to get on the treadmill of the Peloton or go for that walk around the circle. Once you're already a loser oisvai for eating potato chips, what are you going to exercise? You know you hate the exercise anyway. You know you're only happy when it's over and you feel proud that it's done. You don't really enjoy it. So once you're already eating the potato chips, and you know what? You didn't gain so much weight, so you skip a day of exercise. It looks like it could rain, and who really wants to be doing it? So let it go. So let it go. So now the hate that you made, the mistake that you made, A, you made a mistake, you ate a whole bag of potato chips. You feel pretty guilty, pretty lousy about yourself, and you may not feel pretty naughty. You may feel pretty nauseous at the same time. So A, you have the chait, the mistake that you made. B, you've created this malach of chavala that now is trying to get you to eat the wrong thing again. But now the malach of chavala has really expanded his portfolio. The malach of chavala is not only trying to get you to eat the wrong things, this malach of chavala is also convincing you to drop the exercise too. So by making the chait, through the one mistake you made, you gave birth to an entire team of, of opponents. Right? You were running unopposed. You were running unopposed. You were good to go. You had worked hard. You had eliminated the opposition. You were in great shape. You always knew an opponent could, could arise against you. But for the time being, you were running unopposed. And then you made a mistake. And not only do you face now one opponent, you've created an entire team of opposition. An entire team of opposition. So what you see is, and that's what the Gemara was telling us in the story of the Tana who saw the Talmud Hanfachid, who ran into a student who was living with fear and afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to eat the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, go the wrong place, do the wrong thing. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And he said, you have so much fear. I see that you've done a chait. I see that you've made a mistake. I see that you've made a mistake. So you see somebody who says, nah, I'm not exercising so much. I'm not so careful what I buy in the supermarket. Oh, I see you had a bad eating day. I see you made a mistake. I see you made a chait. Chait that mistake gives birth to and generates, it is the source of a feeling again of opposition, of battling, of overcoming. There are people who suffer a spiritual ailment so severe, more than anxiety and fear. There are, we know, all kinds of phobias. There are people who can't go outside. There are people who live with paranoia. There are people who live with fear of heights, fear of speaking, fear of viruses, fear of public places, fear of social settings. There are no shortage of phobias. So at the root and in the therapy of so much of these phobias is a, is a lack, a failure of self-confidence a failure to believe in oneself, a failure to have a confidence in who you are and what you're capable of, a confidence and faith in the world and the people around you. There's a, a deficiency. There's a virus in the system that makes you not believe in yourself and not believe in others and not believe in the world. 
and that, is, that manifests itself in a phobia. And what's the therapy? What's the antidote? What's the response? Serene, calm, re-enter slowly, build up your faith, build up your confidence, experience things which will establish your, your trust and your, and, your, um, and your faith that you can live this way. And there's truth to this more or less, says Rav Schwartz. But now he's going to go on and we'll pick up with this next week about all of this is only one view. It's an external view. But there's an internal view too. The internal view. So this notion that when I make a mistake, I've given birth to angels of destruction, to these energies of destruction, to these voices of opposition, that now I've entered a battle and a struggle and a tension. This is all without my Amuna glasses, without my Bitachon LASIK surgery. This is all when I think, you know what? The potato chips are out to get me, Trader Joe's is out to get me, the Peloton's out to get me, the weather's out to get me, the world's out to get me, and I wake up in the morning with a sense that the world is out to get me and I just don't have what it takes to fight anymore. I just can't fight anymore. I just don't have what it takes. And there are many of us who feel that way, who feel that way in this quarantine, this pandemic, and this distancing. We feel that way because of this uncertainty. It is just, it's just draining us of our energy and our resolve and our faith because that's our external sense of selves. And our external selves are having to answer emails all day that say, why do you exclude the 65 plus? Why do you exclude this? Why have you not entered the shul? Why are we not dealing in this way? Why can't we do this yet? Why aren't you allowing the other thing? Or you're crazy that you started the outdoor minyana and you're crying. And you know what? At some point, I can't fight anymore. I'm, I have no energy. I have no energy. But that's the, that's the weak part of ourselves. That's the external part of ourselves that sees the world as us and them, that sees the world as battle and fighting. If you live with bitachon, which we'll get back to next week, if you live with that inner voice that that sees harmony in the universe, I meant to deal with these emails. And these emails aren't against me, and there is no conflict and confrontation. And I'm simply an agent of Hashem. What am I meant to be doing and how am I meant to do it? And this is all from above and it's all from Him and it's all making me better. Not only does that not drain my energy, it energizes not only does that not make me sad or anxious, it makes me happy. We'll end where we began. What if, what if the, there was someone who said to you, oh, I took that teacher, I took that final, I took this test. <laughs> Spend 20 minutes with me, I'll tell you everything you need to know, you're gonna ace it, you're gonna do great. You're gonna do great. Somebody says, I lived through a pandemic. Spend 20 minutes with me, these emails are nothing. You're gonna be fine, you're gonna come out the other end. It's all gonna be good, it's all for a reason. That brings simcha. So when you think you're abandoned and alone and isolated, when you're worried and doubtful and uncertain, when you feel the world's out to get you, you're dr- you just can't anymore. You have nothing left to fight. But when you feel like there's someone who says, I'm here to help you through it. Oh, I had that paper cut. Oh, I had that tennis elbow. Oh, I took that final. Oh, I lived through what you're going. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm going to guide you and I've got your back and you're going to get through it and it's going to be great. Then not only are you not drained, but you're re-energized. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Let's go then you're able to really make it happen. And that's what a life of Amunah Bitachon is. Hashem is by our side and Hashem is with us and we are absolutely ready to go. So thank you for being with me this morning on this journey. If you're watching on YouTube Live, feel free please to subscribe, even if you're not, please subscribe. And everyone is invited this evening on uh, 9 o'clock. We have Behind the Bima, we have a great guest, Marvell, who is an amazing APAC student activist. He's just graduated. He's going to talk about He's going to talk about how an African-American got involved in uh, pro-Israel activism, his feelings about the uh, APAC conference being canceled, and of course commenting on what's going on in the, in the world today. We're looking forward to that conversation. It's at 9 o'clock tonight. Wishing everyone a day filled with emuna, calm, confidence, love, peace, 
Be happy, healthy, and holy.